Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's conversation, we have Kyle Harris. Kyle is the group training coordinator at Bob Harris Baseball School in Green Springs, Ohio. If you like this conversation and you find value in this conversation, please reach out and follow Kyle on Twitter at HossJob. I'll include that handle in the program description below. If you like the podcast, then you're going to love LPD+. Members of the community get instant access to all of the latest episodes before they release to the public. You can join LPD Plus today. Memberships include a monthly, a yearly, or a lifetime subscription. All come with a free trial. I'll put the link in the show notes below. and Be sure to use the discount code PODCAST to get 10% off all memberships. One of the questions I always got after inventing the Spinner Arm Care Tool was, how do I use this? So I came up with the foundations of throwing online course. This is just a one-hour mini course uh, outlining not only how you can implement the spinner or how we use the spinner on our training floor, but how you can develop a full arm care throwing program uh, to get the most out of the players on your team, the players in your gym. Uh, This is just your get-started guide uh, with throwing programs and arm care. Go check out that course on my website, chadlongworthonline.com. I'll put the link in the description. What's up, man? What's going on? Hang on. Why is your... Am I the right way? You are sideways to me. You were sideways to me. Hang on a second. (laughs) How about that? That's perfect. My My phone was acting up. Not acting up. Just... Not doing what it was told to do. And I thought maybe it's messed up. I don't know. Sometimes, man, sometimes tech thinks it's smarter than us. I was I was at my son's game this weekend and I had to I had to pay the gate and it's it's cashless at the gate. And I had my phone, Apple Pay, and cash. And I told the kid, I said, this is what I got. Well, I don't know that we take either one of those. So he like punches around on the on the iPad he had. He's like, here, scan this code, see what happens. So I scan the code. It's like, looks like I can pay like this. So I told the tournament director who I know, I said, it's my whole life, man, just accidentally learning things all the time. That's hilarious. <laughs> I just, I'm all the time accidentally bumping into learning stuff. Isn't that crazy? Like once you open your mind, how that happens. You know, yeah, you go through life in a structured environment where people are telling you what to learn and you can't learn anything. And then you get older and you realize you just got to open your mind and let things happen. And there you go. That's the thing. And that's what I tell people all the time. We're kind of getting in the weeds before we even introduce you, but it's fine. Um, I made good grades in school, but like school was not, school was not. I mean, it took me, it probably took me well well into my 20s post-college because I went to high school drafted out of high school played pro ball till I was 23 started college from 23 I graduated college in two and a half years so I was probably 26 when I finished and then it was probably a couple years after that it's I figured out like this structure just does not this is not from that was not for me yeah interesting anyway Kyle Harris roundtable Introduce yourself uh, and where are you from? Talk about your facility, which is awesome. I got the <laughs> stairs too, by the way. 
I know, I know, like, see the stairs over here behind I love me? The stairs. That's the stairway to the open baseball mines. That's what you yes. said one day on Twitter. You walk yes. up those stairs and get to the top, and it's like this gateway to open baseball mines. It's, it's baseball nirvana. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm Kyle Harris. Um, I live in Ohio um, in a small town. Well, between two small towns, I live in the country, but we have a facility in Green Springs, Ohio, um, which there's about 1,200 people that live in Green Springs, and we are home to the world's largest natural sulfur springs. Interesting. Um, yeah, our claim to fame is that Christopher Reeves, when he had his horse accident, he came to, we have a rehabilitation facility. He came to our town and um, did some work there, and then when they... They added some additions. He came in and and like did an opening for him there. So my dad grew up right across the street from that, right beside the school that I actually teach at. And um, that's, I mean, it's a small town. So I teach. Um, we have a facility there that we work with kids. Um, we do a variety of things, pretty much everything. But um, we run groups. We run lessons. Um you know, we've been blessed to have some great instructors come in and out that are now on to bigger and better things. Um, Your dad's been at this for a while, huh? Your dad's been at that for a good yeah. while. He's been in the place we are now since 1997. Jeez. Oh, gee. He started oh, accidentally, like literally in our backyard, just like, you know, one year I got good at hitting and people are like, oh, work with my kids. And my dad sure. was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And then it got to the point where he's like, man, I can't keep taking time away from my family to do this. So he's like, yep. I'll do it for 10 bucks. You know, that's how it started in the backyard in a yep. batting cage. So that's awesome. That's awesome. My kids are going through it now. Um, I don't know if they're good or not, but they're improving. I know that. That's I awesome. I want to talk about kids in a minute. Um, where's, where's your energy drink of choice? Oh man, that's or a good coffee. question. Or coffee. 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 Yeah. I've kind of coffee. I've kind of I'll tell you what, my favorite all time, and I don't even know if they make it, it's called Rip It. And they had a sugar-free Rip It, and it was grape, and it was the greatest. Oh, it was so good. I can't find it anywhere now. Is that in your bodybuilding days? You were slamming rippets and <laughs> so, no, I wasn't. I was, well, I had a couple sponsorships then, so I was okay. using whatever they were giving me. Okay. Yeah. You do have a background. We'll go, we'll go into that a little bit too. Um, man, I don't have anything written down. I don't, I don't write stuff down. We just kind of go at it and talk and. That's the best way. Casual. It can be casual. We can talk about whatever. Um, you have two daughters both yeah. play. Yes, they both play. Yep. I find it interesting, people that have kids on Twitter. I posted yesterday that, that training my daughter as a pitcher, it's been like one of the more interesting projects uh, of my coaching time because I don't know any of the lingo. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know any of the idealized techniques, and I don't want to know them. Like, I don't care to know them. I just, you know, we, we try to – the. <laughs> and all these things we've just taken it we took it and applied it to softball players several years ago now applying it to my daughter that's not my question though my question though is i find it interesting you fisk 
Devin Morgan, guys that I, I really like your work. How much I've been reluctant. I've been very reluctant, and I don't know if it's for better or for worse to push my kids into the sport. I've just kind of been casual. I mean, this is our first year. My daughter is nine. My son is seven, and we kind of – I was reluctant to get into travel ball. I just didn't want to push them into it, didn't want to commit. We've been super fortunate. A family that I trained, their oldest son has two children that are both my kids' ages, daughter, my daughter. They have a daughter that's my daughter's age and son, my son's age. So they coach the team. So we've been nice. very fortunate in they know where I'm coming from. They're very much on board with what we do and the way we do it. Cool like that. My question is like, how much do you push your? Because I know they don't want to practice every day, and it's like, how much? How much do you find yourself pushing your daughters, backing off, coaching and training your own kids? It's an interesting problem. I, I, my my daughter's training has been interesting and rewarding, but it's also been very hard because I don't want to fight about it all the time. It's like. Sometimes you have to fight about it. Sometimes it's not worth fighting about it. Like, where's that balance for you in your kids? So that's interesting because my kids are, they're very different. Um, Jaden does practice every day. Like, that's my oldest. She just turned 13. Like, yep. we have to make, we have to make practice rules with her. Like, you can't train softball from this time to this time. Right. And like last year, it was like her last tournament was in the middle of October and then her whole team actually came to our facility and I did a bunch of assessments and like made like movement profile plans for everybody and this and that and gave them to the coach gave them to the players and then they did with what they wanted with it I went to a couple of their practices and taught them some stuff um but then we said no softball till December 1st and like she was the one that she walked outside to school that morning on December 1st and realized it was December 1st. And like I heard her yell like it's December 1st. So with her, it's yep. easy. Now, it wasn't always like that when she was old enough to play kid pitch. I'll never forget it, man. My wife works midnights and I'm in the morning getting the kids ready. And yep. she tells me it's sign up day for Little League in our in our area. And she's like, I don't want to play softball, dad. And like, right. dude, I could just like, I, yeah. I was welling up. Like, and I was like, all right, cool. Because she yeah. would sit from the time she was three years old, she would sit beside me and watch baseball games. So yep. I'm like, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to force her to do this because when she's 30, I can take her to a baseball game. And if I force her to play, she's going to end up hating it. And it's going to be bad for both of us in our relationship. Right. right. So a couple of weeks later, they had like a late sign up. It was the last one. And I was at the facility and my wife calls me and I don't answer my phone ever when I'm at the facility. And right. she calls me like five times in a row. So I'm like, well, this has to be an emergency. So I yeah. pick up and she's like, you'll never believe what we just did. And I was like, what? And she's like, Jane just went out and signed up for softball. So she got on a little league team that won every single game and right. she played outfield and her coach was awesome. And he asked me to coach and I didn't do it. I just stood, I stepped back. Yep. But she wanted to catch. So she got on YouTube. She found catching drills. She started doing them on her own. My dad saw it. My dad bought her catcher's gear. And then my dad would work with her, teach her some stuff. And then her and I went outside and I said, just hit it as far as you can. Hit it as hard as you sure. can, yep. you know? And the first year she walked or struck out every time. 
Yeah. And she worked and worked and worked. And after her second year, um, a guy I didn't really know well, they asked him and I to coach a little league all-star team, 10U. So we did. And we actually got beat um, like 30 something to nothing by the Wheelersburg team that ended up winning the world series a okay. couple years later. And after that, he asked her to play travel and we weren't going to let her like we, right. we said no. And um, he asked us again. And then Jaden kept asking us like every day for a week. And we like painted the most bleak picture ever. Like, Oh, there's right. going to be practice all the time. It's going to be like every weekend you're going to be out playing softball. And she was like, I want to yep. do it. I want to do it. And since then, man, we've let her kind of drive her own ship. And it's, I try to, you know, she asks me to go practice and I try to limit what I say to her. Sure. Um, basically at this point, it's because I don't want to mess her up because she has a really good process that is very impressive to me. Um, so that's dealing with her is a lot different than we have in one that just turned nine and um, she's starting to get it, but with her, it's just, Hey, you want to go play catch? No. Okay. You know, right. Yeah. I guess the one big talk that I had with her that I think kind of opened her mind up was, you know, there's consequences to every choice you make. If you want to play first base, we're going to have to go practice that. And if you don't, and you don't do a good job, then somebody else on your team might get to play first base over you. And that's okay. Cause that's your choice, you know, yep. but I think she's starting to figure it out. Um, she wants to do more. She wants to, and she likes working with grandpa too. I'm lucky. I got grandpa that'll yep. take him. And then when, when dad gets there, it's fun. So yep. I just try to, I don't know. I guess the dynamic is you get, you get pulley with your kids. Hey, you want to go? No. All right. Well, why don't we go for five minutes? That's what my dad did for me. You yeah. Know? That I get myself into that. Like let's play, let's hit, let's like, let's hit like 20 balls. Yeah. Let's like hit 20 balls. Like, let's. Yeah. And if you don't want to do it, then cool. My, my dad would be like, let's go to the park. I'll throw a bucket to you. If you don't want to be there, I'll pick everything up. You can yep. go listen to music in the van. We had a big old Ford van. You can go sit in the it's van. It's funny because a couple of years ago, I went to Pitchapalooza, Lance Wheeler. Yeah. Chris Bryant's dad was there, Mike. Yes. And I had just had my son. My son is seven. He was probably two at the time. I kind of walked up to Mike after a talk, and I, and I said, "Mike, I'd like to ask you a question, not as a coach, but as a dad." I said, "How much did you? How did you push Chris? And how did you? How, what did you do with Chris when he was a young when he was a young kid?" And he said, "You know, he said we used to go to the park and take a bucket. He said I'd throw it to him. We'd see how many balls we could hit over the fence." He said, "Sometimes it was half a bucket." Sometimes it was a whole bucket. Sometimes it was three buckets. When he was done, we picked him up and we left. He said, I never really, you know, made him do it. Or, you know, we, we tried, you know, you tried to facilitate practice. Like, let's play for five minutes or let's play right. for eight minutes. But he kind of said the same thing about Chris Bryant. He said, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, we kind of went and just did what, what, what he could do. You know, I never mm -hmm. overdid it. And it's an interesting thing, though, you say about your daughter's team because – you know, my my kids' development happened at at the time where I kind of had this this idea in my mind where we were going to play in the local league, and then we were going to kind of maybe see what was out there as far as the travel ball goes, whatever. Well, all this got – I was going to let my daughter play, 
play up her last year of coach pitch to start pitching. We have been working on softball pitching for a few years. Like we just started messing around with it. COVID happens. Mm. Doesn't get to play up. League gets canceled. Doesn't get to play up. Loses a spring full of games. Those people that I'm talk that I'm telling you about that I trained their sentence, why don't you come play with us this weekend? They were playing coach pitch. I'm like, fine, that's fine. This was a year ago. So my daughter's only really been playing a year. She played a year of coach pitch before that in the local league. Mm-hmm. And though now she's in kid pitch, which you know in softball, nine you kid pitch is it's it, this is her first experience. Like she didn't get to play the league. And so we go out the first weekend and it was pretty eye-opening. I and I told her, I said, look, you know, I will I said, I'm disappointed in a couple ways. A, your effort, I didn't I get you nervous, but like you gotta run, like you gotta be engaged in the game, you gotta be engaged with your teammates. Like yeah. none of those things. I said, secondly, you know, you didn't get to pitch any. And I said, which is interesting because and I had to explain to her, but she didn't really understand this, that the role of your coach is when you go to practice because they're our friends. Like the, her coaches are our friends. They come and train. We're friendly. We're friends. I said their job on the team is to like evaluate your talent and like determine whether or not you're good enough to pitch. You're going to help the team win. You know, and I said, they've seen you pitch a lot and you didn't pitch any this weekend. What does that tell you? I said, you weren't good enough to pitch. Now I said, you can take that. You can complain about that, or you can take that and understand like, you're going to earn the right pitch. I said, because I told her, I'm never going to coach your team. I said, you're going to have to earn the right to do everything that you do. And so reluctantly, you know, we continue to pitch. She's not getting to pitch in the game. We continue to pitch. We continue to work at it. Her velocity continues to go up. She's in there, in and around the zone more. Um, and about three weekends ago, they let her start a game on the mound. She, she punches like seven tickets. Nice. And I said, look, after the game, I said, look, you pitched awesome. It was cool. I said, but the thing I'm most proud about is you earned the right to be out there. Yeah. It was not given to you. I didn't complain. I didn't raise a fuss that you weren't getting to pitch. We just continued to practice. And you earned the right. So she gets to pitch again this past weekend. Again, same thing, pitches well. There'll be days where it doesn't go well. I understand that. I'm not. But, like, I want her to earn the ride. And I always find it people that have daughters or even sons on Twitter that I respect their work. Like, how much do you put your, push your kids? Because, you know, we've got this whole facility full of tools at their disposal. And it's like, right. I tell my daughter all the time, it's like, I'm going to sign you up for lessons somewhere else. So you can kind of see what the alternative is to see kind of how fortunate you are to, to have what you have access to. Well, and she's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, then you better straighten up because I'm not going to get in here and fuss and fight and argue about you me bouncing this tennis ball at you and you trying to hit a nuke on it. And that's interesting you say that because with Jaden, we, um, she worked with Rachel quite a bit, Folden. Right. You know, like yeah. I, so like I was on Twitter when I was doing bodybuilding stuff, you know, and I was still working yep. at the baseball facility. And then when I got out of that world um, completely and I was able to immerse myself a little bit more back into my dad's business, I started looking at Twitter with like some baseball stuff. And I was like, man, this is a train wreck. And then I found Rachel yeah. and uh, 
I found Rachel and Casey and yep. um, I reached out to Rachel and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started doing a little bit of online stuff and then we went to her facility and um, you know, and that's a, that's a great tool that I've used myself is I'm like, look, you're getting this information from grandpa. You're getting it from Rachel. You know, I've reached out yep. to some other professionals that I respect and um, had her work with them a little bit. And it, I think that's been great. And what you just talked about was perfect with your kid. Like, I think the best thing we can do as parents is show them our passion for the game, our passion for learning, and then ask them questions. Because the alternative is just you telling them what to do and kids get told what to do all the time. And sport yeah. should be, yep. not that it shouldn't be stressful or hard or work, but sport should be something oh, that we're sport. doing to get kind of away from the other things in life, get away from schoolwork, get away from, you know, let's, let's be yep. honest. Our kids are fortunate. There's other kids that don't have the family dynamics that yep. ours have. And sometimes sport is their time away from that. But as parents, you know, we have to make it, we have to make it fun. If it's not fun at all, they're not going to do it. And it is fun. Right. And that hard work, like you talked about with your daughter, like working hard and not getting an opportunity and not getting an opportunity and then getting it. How rewarding is that? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's going to go to me. And these are, these are things that drive me a little bit crazy about the world, the baseball, softball world as it, is, as it exists is we are skipping over a lot of the lessons that kids can learn by guarding them against failures or guarding them against or trying to, you know, clear the lawnmower parents trying to clear the way or mm -hmm. just go, just let them go. And again, my perspective on skills is very different from anyone in my area, but like most people's in general of if your skills and talents are good enough, like you'll get your opportunity. Just focus on that. Mm -hmm. you know, focus on that. Spend time on that. And people would say, well, you got a facility and you got computers and all this like that is true but like like you said go play catch in the yard i was thinking about this i was going to maybe do something about this it's like what would you do with your kids if you didn't have what you have you know how would you how would you go about designing something that was reasonably affordable with feedback that you don't have a hit tracks you don't have radar guns you don't have all these things and it's like i mean if you just want to practice bad enough just you can, you'll figure it out. Like you'll yeah. figure out a way to get it done. Yeah. Well, I mean, my daughter yesterday, I was, we had a bunch of recyclables in our garage and I was kind of moving some stuff and we have weights in our garage and she lifted yesterday and she saw me in the garage and she pops out. She's like, Hey, when are you going to get this cleared out a little bit more so we can get it set up for when it gets cold and, and I have volleyball or basketball and I can't get up. And so I can come in and throw and work on my blocking yep. and stuff like that. Like she's already yep. thinking, you know, it's, yep. it's August, but she's already thinking like, how are we going to work around when, cause last year, and I'm the, I, I have to do a better job balancing, but last year I was working at the facility between 18 and 22 hours a week on top of teaching. On top you know? of teaching. Yeah. And you know, my daughters are very active. Lexi's on the gymnastics team. She, She's playing volleyball this year and softball and basketball. Yep. And Jaden's a three-sport athlete in middle school. So yep. it, it, we're very active. And we're blessed that we have grandparents very, very close. You know, my parents are yep. three miles down the road. My wife's are a mile and a half. Yep. Or, it's the other way. But anyway. Yeah. 
So she's already thinking like, there's going to be times I want to practice where I can't get to the facility or, you know, our, we're limited in space and we would have times she'd come up to hit and sorry, kid, there's no space right now. Like, yeah. So sorry. she's already thinking that. And like you said, you, there's ways, you know, you don't have a radar gun. All right. Well, how do we see how your arm's getting better? You know, well, let's long tall. How far can you throw the ball? You know, there's some. How far can you throw it short? It's not exactly the same, you know, because you got to work on, you know, overhand thrower and a guy that's more three quarter sidearm. But there's yep. still, as long as you're using the same thing to measure and you're not changing that variable, right? You can check your progress a lot of different ways. Right, right. That's I, the the old expression, uh, the broken the broken ruler. If you use the same broken ruler, you get you can measure progress. Doesn't matter yeah. what the ruler yep. is. You use the same one. That's interesting. Um, the kids question. There was something else. We there was something else in that we we, we said in that. Um, kind of, kind of. You know, I think people. I want to. I want to kind of know, like, if I come to your facility and I want to work with you guys, kind of walk me through the process. Like, hey, Kyle, my daughter or my son like to bring him work with you guys. You know, what, what does that look, what does that look like with you, with you guys? So initially, usually I just ask them a couple questions. Like, what are you looking for? Um, how often do you want to come? Um, our groups are a little different because they're structured by, they're usually structured by when high school season starts in Ohio. And then I backtrack to start our groups in the fall. That way I always have six to eight weeks with high school pitchers leading right up to when they start. Yeah, um, yep. Cause that's kind of where we built our programs out from there. So, or our groups out from there. Are you primarily do the throwing or you primarily do the hitting or you just mix both? You, whatever we need. Yeah. So for, like, sure. for a lot of years, I didn't do hardly any hitting for a lot of years. I was doing all pitching. Um, just because my dad gets to a point and he'll just flat out tell a kid, I can't help you pitching anymore. You need to get with Kyle. Right. Like, I'll just be like, that's you not. Have a rap photo? You have reps uh, hitting, photo? just hitting, you have a hitting rep photo. Yeah. All right, continue on through that so process. If they're doing groups, we get them put into a group. They come in if they haven't been in a group ever or in a while. Um, I've got an assessment I put them through, um, and sometimes we use that like we really use it for programming. Other times we put it in a file. And the kid kind of immerses himself in the group. And then we see things and we're like, all right, let's pull that assessment out. See, this is why you can't do what we're trying to get you to do. This is why we take the assessment. Now let's modify this. It's like a general like, movement screen. Yeah. And I'm yeah. constantly changing that. I mean, I've got yep. one that's like, I love it, but it's like so in-depth. My, It's just like crazy. You know, yep. it'd, it'd be what I would use if like, I had four like D one pitchers coming to us and I'm like, and I can see them every day, you know, and unfortunately we don't have that, but um, so we have that where we, where we do the groups that way. Um, and then we have a lot of lessons. I mean, we started on a lesson model and we still use the lesson model because we have a lot of kids that either don't want to, or can't come more than once a week. Um, and the, my favorite thing about the lesson model is the rapport that we get to build with the kids is a little bit better because it's so one-on-one. Yep. And with that aspect, um, it depends on the kid. With the younger kids, it's pretty informal. We come in, kind of watch them move, watch them swing, 
kind of show them what we want to get done. Um, you know, what, where's, where's the biggest flaws we're going to work with, try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, with the older kids, we'll do maybe an assessment right off the bat, but the younger kids will more assess their performance. Like, like we, let's say we get a nine-year-old wants to come in, they'll come in, swing a little bit and be like, all right, let's, let's see how hard you can hit the ball. Let's see what your bat speed is. Let's see how you move a little bit. And then, um, each instructor kind of does it a little differently, but then we just assess for like, where, where's the biggest bucket they need to fill to be successful. You know, cause some kids it's contact kid can't hit the ball. Like we're going to address that a lot differently than a kid that has great bat and ball skills, but they're hitting it 15 mile an hour slower than they need to at their level. Like that's yeah. a different problem that needs to be solved because our goal. And it's always been my dad's goal is we need to establish passion for the game. And then we can build, we can improve the kid. Yeah. If they don't enjoy being at our facility, if they don't enjoy the game, they're not going to put the work in on their own that's going to make them be any better. And then we try to supply them with the plan that they can do when they're at home. And we're real big on, and I know some facilities aren't, and I've wrestled with my dad about this, but we're big, especially with the younger kids, trying to get the parents in there with them so they can learn with us. So we yeah. can make it a father-son, a mother-daughter thing, a mother-son where they can do it together. Yeah. No, I'm with you. We have parents all over our floor. I mean, they're everywhere. They hang out. I mean, the only thing I ask of them is like, just don't yell stupid cues at them. Like you can, and most of the dads that come, like they get our culture, they get our training culture. So it's like, they're talking trash to their kid too. It's like, cause we try to, we try to build competitive aspects of training. It's yeah. like the dad, the dads kind of figure out, like, just talk trash to them, you know. Don't don't yell like any swing corrections at them, but like, yeah. if you want to poke at them, you can. Like, have at it. Like, that's what we're here to do. Like, we're here to motivate yeah. and push them to become better. And like that passion you talked about. Do you find that the technique? Like, how long have you had the hitting wrap soto? Uh, we got it in December last year. Do you find that? It adds the like an element of fun and engagement. Yes, in the cage, maybe that you didn't have before. You yes. know, above the metrics, above the tracking, above everything, it's like there's something they can engage with, they can yes. see and engage with. Because, I mean, it would be harder to do to develop because, I mean, quite frankly, and you live in Ohio, I probably live four hours south of you kind of maybe southwest of you or southeast of you so the weather's not great here in the mountains either in the winter time so you, maybe kids are more acclimated to hitting in a cage but overall like hitting in a cage kind of sucks but you can't see where the ball's going you can't see any any characteristics about the ball and that's really what's cool to young people is like they can see the ball fly they yes. can see it, but it's like that that investment in that technology just so they can see, like, hey man, that was the hardest ball you've ever hit, or look how right. far that ball went. You know, right. the technology above all the other great things about it for young kids is just it's engaging in the cage. Like it gives yes. them something that they can engage with versus, you know, the traditional lesson model. It's like we're going to put this ball on this tee and we're just going to critique the crap out of your swing. And it's like, that does nothing to facilitate, right. you know, a long-term love of 
the pursuit of the game. And they're right. not going to love to pursue the game if if you got to go to this place where this this guy is going to just critique the crap out of my swing and tell me what I'm doing wrong once a week for 30 minutes or an hour or however long. There, there's no way they're going to love it. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I, there's just so many elements it adds. I mean, the intent immediately, the two things that I picked up on right away was intent of kids. Yeah. Like, oh, I hit that one 60. Now I want to try to hit it at 65. You yep. know, and then they get to play with their swing a little bit and then yep. get some internal and external feedback they can use together. Well, when I swing as hard as I can, I'm not doing very well. Like maybe one out of 15, I might hit hard, but the other ones suck. But if yep. I back her down a notch, you know, now I'm doing well and I'm hitting Barrel. it a harder. Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, we'll take rounds where we're like, look, nothing. And we'll put a bad sensor on and we'll say, yep. You're trying to hit every ball as hard as you can. And if you don't, that's okay. But I don't want anything, you know, if your max bat speed's 55, I don't want anything under 53 in the round, this yep. round of eight on your bat sensor. Yeah. You know? we've, done, we're, we've done that here more lately is, is we've, we, have you got, have you got the swing speed radar? I don't know. Where no, I don't have that. Yeah. So we, we, we just, it's, it's not the same ruler. So it's not one-to-one. But it's like right. it's a good gauge. It's a good gauge of like, let's get over here, not not swinging a ball, and see how fast you can swing, and then let's get in the cage and like see if we can get close to that. Yeah, you know, so we just set the iPad like on a tripod, turn it to where they can see the the numbers, and like that top number right there is your bat speed. See if you can get it close to that. Yeah, you know, so that's it's awesome. like outside of the batted ball. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you don't have a an expensive rap soto or if you don't have an expensive hit tracks like a bat sensor with an ipad on a tripod saying that top number right there is your bat speed go get it yeah it's a hundred bucks like a like a bat sensor is a hundred bucks right you probably spent more than that on a bat god knows i have oh and yeah so, <laughs> and so um you know for another hundred dollars you can add that element of just feedback and fun to a cage time is it's invaluable. Like it is invaluable. Like you said, in I'm with you, the ultimate goal for training young players is like, we want them to play as long as possible. Right. You know, we want to facilitate what it's going to take skills and passion wise to play as long as possible. If this experience in here is miserable, again, they get critiqued all the time. They get great all the time. They, they go to school. Like, that's what happens there. You know, we're not going to do that. So how do we get away from that? You know, it's it's an interesting thing when when, when everything kind of started to shift for me when I got to hit tracks and I actually started seeing batted ball outcomes like all the time, realizing like, huh, we're not really helping players all that much. As much as I thought we were. My intention was good. Right. It's like we're not helping people the way that I thought we were. So we have yeah. to change our model. We get more more into a, a CLA, ecological dynamics, you know, self-organization kind of structure where we're just assessing batted ball outcomes and, you know, we're building tools and framework around how to improve these things. But it became more fun. You know, I was right. doing one-on-ones and I don't do – any one-on-ones really anymore like I don't even like to bring my kids themselves like I always like for my kids to I don't like for my kids to, to train with each other because it typically ends up in a fight yeah but 
But like, if my son's buddy can come and then my daughter's friends can come and like, we could just get in here and like chase PRs. It just ends up being better. Like it ends up being more fun for them. It ends up being more engaging for them. Cause it's just, again, not just my kids. I mean, if it's one-on-one with anybody's kids, it's like, they just kind of glass over at a point. Here we have all these numbers. I mean, you can see over here to my left, this little whiteboard right here. This is like a, a whiteboard of like PRs of games that we've created for like kids. Like that's great. The, the target game, like the target throwing game, and the, and the swing speed light stick, and the swing speed weighted bats, and the and the you know we play home run derby. So here's their records for home run derby. Here's their records for for total. We play a total base. You get ten balls total bases on the hit tracks. Like get as many total bases as you can. Doubles, triples, homers, whatever. And so we got the total base game. We got exit. I mean, just try to track that so that it becomes you versus yourself. Right. Not, not you versus your buddy. Because like you, I live in a town of like 3,000 people at most. It's probably less than that now. If you chase the best player in this town and the best player in this town ends up just being an average player, then what did you end up being? Right. Like right. probably an average player. Right. And that's really – you probably see that. You probably see that in what you do. It's like you're chasing the wrong target, man. Yeah. Like shooting at the wrong target. You shouldn't be shooting for being the best player in Wise, Virginia. You yeah. Know, because the best player in Wise, Virginia is just kind of iffy. It makes you feel good, but it's right. like – again, that's another layer of data. It's like beat your PR today. Let's chase the best version of you, not you compared to somebody else. I think that's – I mean, that's that's something that I got to stay on top of in group training is like, yes, we're competing against the people that are here, but it's like we're here to also beat your stuff. Right. And, I mean, just throwing a number on something. We did it – I had a group this last fall pitching that had two middle school boys that both – they're both right now, I think, in the summer, like, living at, like, 84 on the mound. Um, yep. And we had a couple others that were, like, same grade, and they're, like, 58, you know, which is fine. But we sure. were, like, you know, we got to get get you up. And I had a third boy – I had a fourth boy in that group that was, like, a little above average velo-wise for that age. But he'd been stagnant for, like, a year. And I just threw him in a different group and he saw those kids that were better than him. And it was like an eye opener. Like instead yeah. of being like a little bit better than the kids in the groups before, he was like, there was two or three kids that were just way better than him. And we, we, we put numbers on a lot of stuff. Like we'll do med ball throws, you know, yeah. and we'll put, we'll put a number on it. And the the be like, yeah. And I had one kid that, you know, overhand med ball throw with a four pound ball. He was like 31, 32, big kid, big kid. Dad, dad was a linebacker at West Virginia, you know, big yep. kid and um, threw pretty hard at the time, you know, mid seventies as an eighth grader. And I told him, I said, we need to get this closer to 40 and boom, next thing you know, dude, he's 38, 39. And he's working on transferring that to his pitching mechanics and, then this summer he's at 84. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge eye opener for him on how to move fast. 
I think yeah. everything for him was he was kind of robotic and he was always told to be smooth. Yep. And I think he that had no idea. They have no idea. I, I mean, anybody that has a radar gun, I would challenge you to say, put it in a cage with a I have a pocket radar smart coach with the iPad display. We just try to display the, the velocity. But yeah. it's so funny. Put a kid in a cage and say, hey, throw 60%. Like they have no feel for that. Right. At all. Throw right. throw as throw it, throw it a hundred percent. And if they'll throw it, it's like, is that all you got? Is that all you got? You talk a little trash to them, there's two, three, four mile, more miles an hour in there. It's like if you can throw that hard, then throw that hard. I right. shouldn't have to talk trash to you to get you to throw that hard. Right. But they don't know what their hundred percent is. Mm-hmm. They don't know what that is. Like they have no monitor for what their intent is. None at all. Right. You know, we try to put when we do we do any throwing programs, we always try to put the radar gun in front of them and just you know, try to live at this velocity with this ball. Try to live at this velocity with this ball. Try to live at this velocity with this ball. You know, it's like the swings, you know, try to be above this. You don't they don't know how to swing as fast as they can. They don't even know what right. that looks like. They don't right. they have no idea. You know, what's been told to them in a lot of ways before they come to you or to me is is just you know, you know just just have a good swing. You'll hit. It's like, nah, probably mate, that's they know. So they end up coming to me. They end up coming to me as like a last resort. It's like, I guess we'll go down here to the crazy guy that has the baseball mecca stairs and like the hundred year old block building. I guess we'll go down there now. And it's like all of a sudden the light bulb comes on, they start mashing in games. Like, he's doing like wizardry down there because he didn't like say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't say much. He just kind of threw me in there with this weird weighted bat and started chucking balls at me. And it's like all of a sudden my timing is better and my perception is better and my barrel skills are better and my speed is better. And it's like we didn't talk about it much. You know, we we didn't we don't we don't say much. We just try again, try to build feedback tools, build feedback loops, and then train in a variety of different ways and throwers and hitters and all kinds of stuff. Well, I try to be really intentful with talking to kids and parents about, you know, being internal and external. And you just explain that whole environment. If we're constantly internal, especially in a game like baseball where it's reaction, it, you're not going to be successful because you're going to be thinking about what your hands are doing or what your legs are doing, yep. what your body's doing. And then you I'm put growing up so much, though. I'm growing up so much. I'm able to navigate that conversation much better. Yeah. Will you, will you responded to my tweet about the one-to-one relationship between the technique and the outcome of the technique. And it's like, I have a hard time at my daughter. I don't want to talk to people about this stuff in my daughter's games, but somehow I typically always get cornered a couple times in a weekend. <laughs> and I say, look, and I say this to people in the cage, you you may be right about what you're saying, but everything comes with an exchange. Yeah. And so if you tell your daughter to – X, Y, or Z, doesn't matter. Fill in the swing cue. Then she's not thinking about competing with the pitcher and competing with the pitch that is coming at her, which right. at this time is the most important thing she can do. Right. So just compete. Just compete. Like, just compete. You know, my daughter started out much like your daughter in 9U. She was hitting in the bottom of the lineup. It was either – it was mostly strikeouts because one of the eye-opening things that happened in the beginning was – her timing and swing decisions off of a kid pitching to her were awful, were terrible. 
Like, no idea. I'm like, huh, I did not see this coming. And so to solve that problem, I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I can't, I can't get her enough at-bats off the live kid to, to, to kind of make up ground quickly. So bought an Oculus, put the softball pitcher in there. There you go. We, we time and see pitches in the Oculus, game speed pitches, and identified balls and strikes every day. 30, 20, 30, sometimes 50, sometimes 10, sometimes. But we try to hit it every day. Like we try to get in the office and make swing decisions every day. Fast forward anyway, her timing and swing decisions throughout the year have gotten better. She now hits like third in the lineup and like hits barrels. And now everybody wants to talk to me. And it's like, look, I don't say anything to her during these games. I don't say much to her during in the, in the week leading up to the games. Training, we hit almost every day, but it's like, you're asking me this one-to-one relationship from technique to the outcome of what happened. It's like, it's really complicated. And I don't go down the rabbit hole of explaining to them how complicated the question you are is asking me. I just kind of give them the, everything comes with a trade-off and I'm just right. not willing to trade off correcting her swing when it, when she should be just focusing on seeing the pitch and hitting it hard. Like that's all she's trying to do, you know, you want to go somewhere with that, though, that one-to-one relationship to technique and the outcome of technique? How do yeah. we get past that as a as a whole industry? Yes, and we need to. And I I talk about it with kids with the same thing. I, I always say we have to compartmentalize practice and game. There's two different things. It's okay to work on something, but there has to be a segue where we're working on competing. You've got to have that element because in the game, that's what it is. You're competing with the ball, and yep. it's one pitch at a time. And the other thing I equate it to is math. I say, you have to, we have to develop, or you have to develop enough movement to use your terms, movement solutions to problem solve the pitches coming at you. And if I gave you a sheet with two plus two on it a hundred times and told you to do it, did you just get better at math? And that's what I ask them. And they're like, and some kids are like, some of the younger kids or kids that are constantly spoon fed information are like, yeah, cause I practiced. Yeah, but you practice the same thing over and over. So if I set you on the tee and we just hit that pitch every time, you did not get better. Now, if our goal was to maybe improve one specific movement on your swing and you did that, that's fine. We did that. But I've tried to move away from tee stuff as much as possible. And if I do use the tee, it's different. It's we're using low T outside and we're doing a couple swings or we're yep. changing the implement or we're using the backspin T and we're making yep. the angle just crazy. Like I'll use it with my daughter. We'll use the backspin T and I'll put it as low as I can with that angle attachment. And yep. I'll put it like at the weirdest angle ever. And I'm like, just figure out how to barrel this up like three times. Yep. And boom. And then I'll go, all right. And then we'll grab a tanner T and I'll like, I'll sit it on a little box and I'll put it up here, you know, like at her chin. And I'll be like, Yep. Figure that move out. You know, and then we'll move away and we'll do front toss and I'll have different balls. I'll get light flight balls and we'll use different bats. And um we found one of the guys that works for us, Royce, goes to flea markets. He found a 35-inch, 46-ounce bat we were using with my my 13-year-old daughter. Like, I'm like, let's go, let's do this. Let's get on the team. Let's I'll I'll pitch you some light flight balls so you don't break it and you don't sting your hands. You know, and and that it's just throwing as much at them as we can, because I've seen the kids and you've seen the kids that have the perfect swing, that beautiful swing. And then it's like, 
dude, if they throw you a ball that's 80 mile an hour right down the middle, belt high, you're awesome. Everything else. And high school kids don't know where the ball's going. I mean, how often do you watch a major league game and the ball doesn't go where it's going? Pitchers no. don't, they don't I know. Think I think the stat, I think the stat is maybe, maybe 50% or just a hair above 50% in the amount of times major league pitchers hit their spots. Yeah. Hit their spots. I mean, within reason. Right. 50%. And it's like, I can't, I can't, it's so funny. I could go down this rabbit hole all day and it's like, I can't stress to people enough. And it's not their fault because they don't, they don't really understand the acquisition of skill and movement and movement abundance. And like the most important thing is being able to adapt to a, in a variety of ways. Yes. yes. In a variety of ways. I mean, that have to is teach adaptability. That's the most. One of the thing, one of the rabbit holes that I've gone down here recently is like, are we doing as well as we can facilitating timing? You know, because timing becomes a huge, huge deal in, you know, like being able to hit in a game. Like this pitch a little slower, this pitch a little faster, this pitch breaking, this pitch this, 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 and this. It's like if I stand here from the same spot and just chuck this ball, it's like reading a putt on a green. It's the math analogy. My mm-hmm. brain is active in the first two putts, but after that, I'm just just kind of regurgitating what my brain has calibrated in the first two putts. Like I'm not reading right. the putt anymore. Right. It's like if I stand here and throw the ball, I might time the first two or three. But after that, are we timing balls? Is my brain engaged in time and space? To account for the ball flight, I would say no. So, I mean, I, what I've started doing is like putting the L screen at like 20 feet in front of the plate and just walking around behind the L screen. I'll throw oh, one. Awesome. Pitch, I'll throw one pitch at 20 feet. I'll go back and throw the next pitch at 40 feet. I'll throw one at 35 feet. I'll throw the next one at 25 feet. I'll go back and throw 35. I just kind of move around back there. Like I'm I not throwing that. two pitches from the same spot. You know, and I try to tell people, I try to tell people because this is common. You've heard this. You know, if the pitcher throws, let's use a high school. If he throws 80, we can hit it. But if he throws below that or above that, we have no idea. It's yeah. like because you're, you are, he is pitching into the timing. The only timing that you know is just kind of in that window of reaction time of 80 miles an hour, whether yeah. it be 40 miles an hour, 30 feet or 60 miles an hour, 40 feet. That's just kind of the timing you know. Yeah. It's like you've never ventured to like change faster, slower immediately. So that you're always engaging. I heard somebody say you have to train at the extremes, high and low. And I think that's so true because my daughter, my older one, loves to get on the machine. We got a couple three-wheel machines. She loves to get on it and crank it up. Like we had it at 73 a while ago. Loves it. You know, she got a piece of a couple of them. Yep. She gets in the games, you know, and I mean, she plays pretty high level. Like we have a girl on our 12U team that was throwing 64 at the end of the year. And we saw some 60s and she does fine. But then we see girls throwing 44 and she used to be lost. And I told her, we have a girl in a town next over that was an all-state pitcher in high school. And her and Jaden sometimes do stuff together. And she'll pitch to Jaden and Jaden will hit her. And then I had another girl that was – all conference pitcher in the same conference 
and she throws like 48 and I had Jaden catch a bullpen for her. And I'm like, you're going to see that in high school. She's like, what? I go, yeah, you're going to have to, you think it's all fun and games grabbing these heavy bats and hitting 64, 65, but yep. you're going to have to hit 45. Yeah. My daughter's kind of been guilty of the same thing in the Oculus. Like she's gotten to where she likes to put the fast pitchers in the Oculus and like yeah. time the fast pitchers. And it's like, she doesn't, so I just just the example, like she likes to time the 55, 56 in the Oculus off the softball. Yeah. That's great. She sees 45 in a game, and I don't feel as though her timing at 45 and her swing decisions at 45 have been very good in the last couple games we've had where pitchers have been there. Right. It's like I told her yesterday, I was like, we got to get back down in that 40. I know you like the 55, and that's fine to touch up there. But like we got to get around that forty-five. We got to get down to the 40, 38. We got to. We need to do more. That she just likes to turn it on the fast one and like time the fast one. It's like, yeah. A, this isn't like tremendously representative of what you see in a game. And B, we've got to do different things. You know, because the time, my timing ideas. It's like, you know, I always go. I always go back to Franz Bosch. It's like the body doesn't learn by doing the same thing over and over and again. The yes. body by doing two learning the difference between two different things. I don't know if what I'm doing with timing is working. What I do know is the body doesn't learn in a vacuum. And so moving the time and space around every pitch, that seems like a good idea. Well, it's building spatial temporal skills and visual may or may not be. Yeah, it may or may not be, but this is what we're going to try. Do you ever do the, do you ever do that with the plates? Like we yeah, do that with the plates. The plates. We do and the then I'll throw, I'll throw like five different bats out. And I'll be like, every yep. time you barrel one up, you have to get a different bat or move to a different plate. Yep. yep. You know, and done that. I love that idea about you move around all over the place, though, because that that's fun. Yeah. Like I just throw from probably 30 feet difference. Like I'll go up to the screen, throw one, go to the very back of the cage, throw one, like. That's just awesome. Just BP coach pitch BP up. You know, I think I think guys like you, Caleb Abney, me. I mean, people just say you just turn the machine on and at seventy five miles an hour for a softball player and, and just tell them to figure it out. It's like that really couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> that really just could not be further from the truth. Yeah. Do we do that? Sure. Is there some element of here's here's something that is representative of the game? I'm going to shut up. Go figure it out. Yeah. Kids are told kids do not like, I had a college girl that I worked with and um, I'd ask her questions and she'd be like, I don't know. You tell me. And I'm like, no, that's not, you that's have to learn. Smart. Like you've been spoon fed stuff your whole life. Like now it's time for you to start figuring out, like you're mashing balls at the college level. Like you need to start figuring some stuff out on your own. For and sure. Like, so there are periods my, where we have to do that. That's a good – so the, to the spoon-feeding, getting spoon-fed mechanics. You know, I think players like that just mistake that for practice. Mm -hmm. I went and he told me about my mechanics, so therefore I got better. And it's like, you didn't get better than anything. And so I told this – I think I talked about this on Twitter. Maybe I did. Maybe I talked about this in one of these roundtables with somebody. A couple of weeks ago, my daughter came up. I think I said this on Twitter because Caleb Abney and I interacted about it. My daughter came up in a tie game in the last inning with a runner on second base. 
and she walks to the plate, and I have no nerves or fear that she's going up there and she has to recall her mechanics and able to to hit this ball, right? I know she's going to go up there. She's going to give you, hopefully, be on time. She's going to give you three good swings. She hits it, she hits it, she does it, she does it. She ends up striking out on time, swings through the foul, maybe fouls the first one back. Little girl flips her changeup, called strike, an iffy call, and then strike three, on time, swings through it. And I told her, I was like, I got no problem with any of that. None of that. You know, and I wasn't nervous or feel for like yelling cues at her while yeah. she's walking up there with the game-winning run on second base. I'm like, this is kind of the situation that we train hitters to to because I don't want somebody that has to go up there and like recall a specific, like you said earlier, you know, they're up there and they're thinking about like where their right arm is or, or where my foot is, or just pick your foot up and be on time, try to see the ball and hit it hard somewhere. Maybe yeah. you will, maybe you won't. I don't know. You know? Yeah. I had somebody ask me the other day, it was at a volleyball game, actually. They're like, you know, does Jaden, does she watch a lot of video of her play, self playing? And I said, you know, what's funny is her least favorite sport is basketball. And that's the only video she ever watches. Like she watched basketball video last year after every game, she'd come home and, and get on huddle and try to figure out, you know, and she'd watch everyone. And I said, when it comes to hitting the most video of herself, she watches are when she gets out. And, and I think that's because of me, because I would show her when she was younger, I'd be like, Hey, look, look how great you looked on this swing and you hit it off the end of the bat. Or you just you were just ahead of it, so you rolled over it. Or you got yeah. jammed a little bit. But look how great everything looks. Like yeah. you're on top. Everything. It's just, you know. And then I would explain it to her. So we use a bat sensor, and she's like between 140 and 170 milliseconds from launching yep. contact. And then I explained to her, look, when a girl's throwing 55 from 40 feet, that's probably about 350 milliseconds, maybe four. I go, that's yep. a long blink of an eye. So from the time you start your swing to the time you hit it you're 170 milliseconds. So how many tens of milliseconds is this far on the bat? And that's how much you missed it. I mean, you're talking, we can't even fathom that as humans. And I said, yeah. so look, you did everything right. And you know, it's just feel a little bit there. Sometimes you it know? works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's how I use video. So I think she looks more, she hit her first over the fence home run and I got it on video. And that's um, awesome. she, uh, she might have watched it twice. Yeah. My dad watched it like 900 times and like screenshotted like every <laughs> little bit of it, you know, and he's like, look at how, look at your face, look how happy you are here and this and that, you know, which was cool, but it's funny. She's like, oh man, how did I like, why did I ground out on this ball? And she'll watch it. And I'll be like, everything's perfect. You're just a little bit ahead. The picture's supposed to make you, it's supposed yep. to just work your timing, you know? Yeah. So, Again, it goes back to that movement abundance aspect in training. It's like that's what the pitcher's supposed to do. Yeah. You know, and you're supposed to counteract and be able to find move the bat and find the barrel. And I don't I don't film anything. I don't know if my daughter's ever seen herself swing. Like I I I just found I just find that sometimes I like back video. And I, I bounce back and forth on my tune. I think it's I think it can be applicable. I did a roundtable with Connor Dawson. Do you know Dawes? You know no, Dawes. I don't know him. Huh? Coach Dawes on Twitter, 
he was with one of the OG Twitter guys with okay. uh, with Ryan Parker and all these great OG guys. He's he's an OG. He's like twenty nine, but like got hired as like the hitting. I think he's the hitting coordinator for the Mariners minor leagues now. And he talked about using video because, you know, a lot of times guys don't care what their KBS data says or what their bat sensor data says. Just tell me what to do, and I'll try to go do it. Mm-hmm. So he kind of uses video to, like, explain what the data is telling telling them, which I thought was a good idea because everybody kind of understands video. Yeah, They don't understand bat sensor data or they don't understand, like, this or that, but they understand video. So I kind of bounce back and forth. We use no video for young players. Like, I don't care how you're, I don't care. We're not trying to refine movement at all right now. We're trying to build speed. And I go back and forth on video though, because again, players become reluctant upon it. It's like mm-hmm. they're reluctant upon it. It's like, I got, I got to go look at that swing. Why'd I get out? It's like, would you stop? Would you just stop? It's just like you said, people understand video and kids love tech. Yeah. Kids play video games because, I mean, they love their phones. So if you can get them to buy into video, you know, that might be good. The bat sensors have probably been the best thing for us with kids because they're, especially when DK had those little, like, they're kind of cheesy. They put those games in. Yeah. Like, how far can you hit the ball in a minute? Like, we've had kids that would just throw them on that and be like, all right, let's do it. And boom, next thing you know, man, they're, working hard, you know, and they're sweating yeah. and then mom and dad are happy, Fast. you know, yep. and then they leave really excited and they go home and they practice more. And, yep. you know, yep. that I was going to make that point on Twitter one day, or I was going to write a blog about it. It's like my son played travel ball for the first time this spring, just out of necessity because of COVID. I just needed yeah. to get my kids somewhere where they were going to get games. Yeah. I didn't need to risk the local league getting canceled and shut down. It's like, at least if we do this, they'll get games. Right. Was team stunk. This team was terrible. Like, they got killed. Like, I think they won one or two games all spring. But it's like, I never, I never expressed frustration. Like, I never expressed frustration in losing. Like, I would. Well, I would always tell him at the end, like, hey, man, that was that was freaking cool, dude. Like, that was so fun. Like, I enjoyed watching you play. How about let's go get an ice cream? Yeah. As soon as we went and got ice cream, he was kind of over it. But it did facilitate, like, a, a more immersive – like, he was more into hitting in the cage. It's like more into – he got more into it. And so the experience of the game, albeit he lost – a lot. Yeah. It's like we never really dwelled upon it. We just used the game in that time to like encourage his interest more, encourage his enthusiasm more to get to the training and act- acquisition of skills. Because you got to build skills. Like that's yeah. the most important thing as young. And the game has its place. You know, the game has its place. It certainly does. But it's like your daughter, your oldest daughter who loves it, you know, if she doesn't, if she doesn't go to the game, and she doesn't start playing the games. And I don't know if she's successful. I don't know if her team won. I don't know what piqued her interest if it was that she wasn't doing good. You know, you, you, you raised the point earlier, like, maybe she wasn't doing good and you told her, like, you know, if you want to hit third in the lineup, that's what I told my daughter about hitting in the bottom of the lineup. You know, if you want to hit in the top of the lineup or if you want to play second base or shortstop, 
you're going to have to be good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go complain and get you to the top of the line. Right. I'm not going to do it. You know, so it's always that it's always that you're always trying to engage those young players and old players. I just find that spoon feeding them information is just not, it's not well, the best it? way to school. You can go into school. I want to talk to leg kick nation, Steve Johnson so bad. I can't stand it about school. And it's like my experience with school is I made good grades. I did good on tests. I didn't learn. I didn't learn how to be curious and, and chase information. And it was long after that. We started out this conversation with that. Yeah. Like, you learned how to play the game of school. That's all you did. Right. And, and quite frankly, it hindered my coaching career early on because, you know, teachers are positioned themselves as authority figures and the gatekeepers of knowledge. And like you get into coaching and you kind of feel like that's what you have to be. It's like the authority figure and like the gatekeeper of the knowledge. And it's like, you know, I have a background in professional baseball and I was a good player. So it's my way. I'm not saying that it was arrogant, but it's like, I kind of position myself in that way. And then it's like, it shifts to that's not, that's not how, that's not the best way to learn. That's not the best way to teach. That's not the best way to do any of this. Right. It's like, that's, that's like school's fault for, for that's the way it is there. Yeah. You could probably go into that forever. Yeah. I, another good one. Um, Leg kick nation. He's got some great stuff on it. Um, Kyle Wagner does too. Have you seen the stuff he posts on stuff for school? Cause he's a coach in a structure of school. Yeah. It, it's, it's beautiful. And I got into, I actually got my first that I know of. I got my first Twitter block last week in a discussion about school welcome um, to the club yeah and it was my response was they disagreed with something um the discussion was should we punish kid for late work like if the kid knows the knowledge but turns this work in two days later should we take points off and um we were saying no and everyone's like well you're not teaching them accountability and my response was they're nine and 12 years old the portion of their brain that learns responsibility like that and learns deadlines is not developed. They're not young. They're not little adults. They are kids. Right. So much of that, so much of that is reflective on home. Does mom and dad require them to do this? If they don't, then they're not going to get it done because they're going to come home and who knows what's going on there. And you know, somebody said something about responsibility and accountability. And I actually agreed with them. I said, so we're on the same page. Accountability and responsibility are important. However, and I went into explaining brain development just a little bit in one tweet. So it was less than whatever, 200 characters. Boom, blocked. I was like, wow, man, people really don't like when you agree with them. And, but then show them that, you know, there's other ways to do it, too. They just, yeah, they want to they, they want to stay right in their lane, man. They don't want to change. I to me, that's really uncomfortable. If I if I thought that I was going to be this person my whole the whole rest of my life, that seems pretty boring. Well, I mean that's that's the thing about you know, that's the whole thing about at least I can speak on my journey is like curiosity and exploration of information. And I I told a kid in here the other day. I said to me, and I was actually maybe going to bring this up to you. It's like to me, Twitter is about one of the top 10 best inventions of of all time 
I said, if you can curate your feed, it is the best idea and knowledge sharing system yes. that has ever been created in yes. the world. It's also awful. It's also awful because yes. people that don't have a curiosity and an open mind for learning that just have a black and white understanding of how things should be like jump in and ruin everything. <laughs> like, man, I tweeted this today. I may change my mind about this tomorrow. And that's my, that's, that's one of the things I've said about myself. It's like, I've never had to defend being smart. And so I'll just change my mind. You have to deal with it. Yeah. Like if better information comes out, I'm changing my mind because this information is better than what I had yesterday. Right. Right. I think, I think between people just got to learn to navigate Twitter. And I yeah. showed him, I showed him how I navigate Twitter. I said, look, I've got 25 people on Twitter that I set the notifications for. That way, when I log in, I can hit the bell and I can just go to what they're saying. That's all I want to see. That's all I want to see what they say. I want to see what they retweet. I want to see what they like. That's it. I, I rely on about 25 people. You're one of them to, to just navigate my way through Twitter. I don't look I, like people are about hitting Twitter. It's like, I don't even see any of that stuff. Like I'm yeah. not even on there. To see that like I, I never see the fights I never see the arguments like I never see any of them I'm just there for the ideas and information from the people that I respect the most and it's like it's a great medium it is it one is. of the greatest mediums of all time it is one of the greatest inventions of of the human race air I said air conditioning uh Google YouTube Twitter uh the car. air conditioning Twitter that's yeah Yep, I agree, I man. Mean, Twitter's I, awesome. I ask I people all the time, you on Twitter? And they're like, no, I'm not. Or yeah, but I don't use it. I ask, when I interview somebody from an instructor, I ask them if they're on Twitter. You on Twitter? Yeah, but I never use it. Why not? I don't that's know. Unbelievable. I'm like, well, where do you get your information from? You know, that's one of my first questions. And I ask them, yeah. where do you get, we got a kid from actually our town. And he's going to start working for us. He was a catcher at the local high school for four years. and he he worked with the two catching instructors we had until they both left. So I know he's good, but that was one of the first questions I asked him was, where do you get your information from? And um, he gave me a couple things on YouTube and I was like, all right. And he goes, and I watch a lot. He goes, I try to watch everything Yadier Molina does. And I go in my bedroom and I try to replicate it and see if it works. And I was like, you're hired, dude. Like yeah. you're finding information. I said, but you need to get on Twitter and you need to follow boom, 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 and boom. Yep. You know, and I go, you do that. And I go, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll figure yep. it out. He's like, well, how do you want me to do stuff? And I go, I don't know. Do it. Just you know, it learn, learn how to yep. do it. You know, come in and watch me, you know, figure out what I do that you don't like. Don't do that. Figure out what I do. You do like put it into what you do and you'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Nick, Nick, when I, when I did these tables with Nick before he got hired at Georgia Tech, uh, he would always ask people that, like, where do you get, what's your sources of information? Like, what do you, what, what do you read? What do you look at? Blogs, books, people on Twitter. I mean, honestly, Twitter itself, I can't, I can't speak highly enough <laughs> of Twitter. Except like, no edit button. No edit button. Yeah, there's no edit button. But if you're coming to my feed to, to look for perfect spelling or perfect punctuation, or you're in the wrong place, man. <laughs> 
my I, my Twitter, I tweet the stuff that I tweet. I tweet so I don't forget it. It's like an idea I've got in my head. Put it on Twitter. I can go back to it. It's like a notebook. Same thing. It's like a notebook for me. Like I just I just tweet it out. If you don't like it, I can't. I, I I've gotten to where I think I told Dan Speed this last couple mm-hmm. roundtables ago. It's like, could you imagine like scrolling through Twitter and like seeing something that you disagree with? And then, like, taking the time out to, like, type out, like, some response, some stupid response, something. I'm like, just keep scrolling. Like, just keep going. You don't have to respond. It's yeah. like, I, I've, I've, I have, I, somebody tweeted me something the other day. And I legitimately had no idea what he was talking about. But I, and I, and I, so I responded back to him and said, hey, man, look, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but thanks for stopping by my Twitter page here and looking and reading my stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that's great. Somebody, somebody on Twitter said one time, it's like, why, why did you tweet that? I'm like, because it's my Twitter and you get to read it free. Like, why, why are you asking me why I tweeted that? It's my page. Like, what do you mean? Why did I tweet that? I can do whatever I want on this page. You don't have to read it. That's awesome. That's Twitter, though. That's why that's I told the kid. I'm, I tell all of our parents, too. I'm like, you need to get on Twitter and just follow me. And then just the things that I retweet, the things that I interact with, start following those people, too. You'll be fine. Yeah. You need to block the noise out. But you don't yeah. need to engage in these arguments. Just try to try preemptive blocking it's the Kyle Bodie preemptive blocking like if you see somebody make a stupid comment on someone else's just block them them. just knock them out so they don't come out don't come into your world I pretty much knocked all the people out they don't they don't come into my world they don't bother me I'm here on Twitter just to gain information and perspective I've started a book club with our players yeah I I told that that's awesome I said look we're going to read these books, but I don't want you to read books. Like, so I think players in hitting players in school, people in business, they, they read these books and they read these things. They try to acquire information as if it is the, it's, they're going to find the key to unlock themselves. It's, it's like, that's not, what, that's not what books are. That's not right. what books are at all. Like your answer is going to be something so you have to gain as much perspective as possible. We're reading Tim Grover, Relentless. I, I, I told them, I said, when we started, I said, look, this guy right here, he trained Michael Jordan. He trained Kobe Bryant. He trained Dwayne Wade. And you get to get access to his perspective for 10 bucks. Yeah. Like, what kind of deal is that? Yeah. Now, is this going to be black and white? Is this going to have your answers in it? I have no idea. But it's perspective that you can now arm with information because kids today they can get information everywhere right they have the great access of information ever they're going to be able to learn stuff but they're not going to be able to apply it because they're going to lack perspective on things it's like we're doing the book club so because i i've always questioned myself like what do i want players to really get out of the time they spend with me it's like i would have i would like to help them gain a better perspective on making decisions, yada, yada, yada. So we started the book club. We're going to, we did relentless this month. We're going to do change clear atomic habits next month. It's like, I just want to arm them with people's perspective. That's yeah. why I, that's why I listen to podcasts. I'm not listening to podcasts for 
looking for the golden nugget of information. It's like, I just want to learn how, that's why I like talking to people on roundtables. I want to learn what makes you think. Like, why do you think that? Where did, how did you arrive at that? Like, what is your life perspective on how did you get to where you got in your training? One of the greatest things I've done in probably the last four or five years was I read back to back. I read um, Anders Ericsson's Peak. Yep. And I read, um, oh, I can't forget to think of this. Um, is it David Epstein Range? Yep. I read those two books and, and it was just, they were on my to read list, but I read them back to back. And it was two different perspectives on how to get to become elite. One was you focus, that's the 10,000 hour rule with which yep. Anders Ericsson and his research has proven to be wrong. You know, his, his right. research was misquoted by Malcolm Gladwell and Malcolm outliers. Gladwell. Yeah. But yep. I read those two books and range is all about experiencing much as much things as possible. And that's what books should do. They should open your mind. You know, they should almost leave you with more questions than answers because then right. you can work through it yourself and figure out what works for you in your life and the situations you're in. Right. I mean, the 10,000 hour rule. I mean, the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz, that's a Kyle Bodie. I mean, he says sometimes, sometimes the, the best answer is to have the most bullets. Sometimes the hours are important. Yeah. But it's like if you can combine the hours with, there's an article I've posted from Medium somewhere. It's the 10,000 hours versus 10,000 experiments. And like yeah. you, get into, you get into the books and it's like you are learning, you are like hacking 10,000 experience by learning about what other experiments people have ran. And yeah. work did not work. Yeah. You know, I, I learned from Kyle, I learned what you've done with your daughters. So now I can maybe do that with my kids, not do that with my kids. That seems like a good idea. You know, that's what I want people to take from these conversations. It's like I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be the gate holder of information or ideas. I just want you to hear conversation, talk about. That's why I love Joe Rogan. I love getting in my car and turning on Joe Rogan and just listening to conversation, like listening to people. He's like the best because he just talks to, I mean, he talks to like brain surgeons and doctors, and then he talks yeah. to people like me. Yeah. It's like he talks to idiots like me who I have no intelligence to stand upon other than like I've tried a lot of stuff. Like I can show you where a good majority of the landmines are. I love it's, it. It's phenomenal. Have you listened to the podcast, The Daily Stoic? Ryan Holiday is one of my favorite. Is one, he's the Daily Stoic. I mean, that's his podcast, right? He's on it. Um, I don't even know, but I Nick yeah, Shulman turned me on to it. The Daily Stoic is Ryan Holiday's Ryan Holiday's deal. Have you okay. read any of Ryan Holiday's books? No. Obstacle is the way. Ego is the enemy. Stillness is key. He they wrote a book good. called uh, the, the Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy is the number one book that every coach should read. It is also the number one most ironic book of the book that coaches read because most of the people that read it, you shouldn't be reading this. Like you've got your ego in check. Most <laughs> people that will say, I'm not reading that. It's like, of yeah. course you're not because your ego is so big <laughs> that you already think you've got it figured out. It's like, read, just read this book. Like, put place your ego is the side and read Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. 
Ryan Holiday is he Ryan Holiday is fantastic. Yeah. I've been enjoying that one. And some of those are only, you know, a couple minutes long, which is good and bad. I like to go on long walks and listen to podcasts outside. You could do, you could, I've done Obstacle is the Way audio. I've read the book and I've done the audio book probably okay. three or four times. Really? Yeah. I've done the Ego is the Enemy. I've read the book like twice and done the audio book like three or four times. Nice. Just fantastic. Just Ryan Holiday's work is so, so good. I'm pretty sure Ryan Holiday does the Daily Stoic. I I follow the Daily Stoic on Twitter. Okay. Well, he doesn't. Now, now I'm going to be following Ryan Holiday, too. So that's Ryan just Ryan Holiday so, so good. Those three books, Stillness. He wrote a couple more. But that that little – that was like the, ob- the obstacle, the ego. It's like the obstacle, the enemy, and the way. He wrote like this three book stoic series on the obstacle, the enemy, and the way. And so Stillness is Key is the third book kind of in that series. Okay. Is really good. It's about quiet mind and all these other things. Really, really good. It's awesome. Again, I have to read. Like I have to read. Like I have to listen to podcasts because I can't stand upon a 1600 SAT. I didn't make 30 on the ACT. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure I made 20. When I was 18 years old, my central focus was, I'm going to take this little white ball and I'm going to throw it as hard as I possibly can. And I'm going to take this little white ball and I'm going to hit it as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to try to get paid to do that. Yeah. Whatever else you guys want to do, I'm, I'm good. I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to waver off those things. And so, yeah. I'm pretty good. Got, That's yeah, pretty good me, way to live. Yeah, it got me a pretty good start in life, so I can't complain. All right, man, I won't take up any more of your time. We oh, usually try great. to keep it to an hour. We go for however long we want. I talk, I you it. talk. We just share ideas and share perspectives to go at it. We may do it again. I wanted to catch you, though, in the morning before you started school. Yeah, this is like the great and the best time for me. This is perfect. I love this time. Like, if yeah. I didn't teach, this would be like – you know, that's that's what I, I envy guys like you and Nick Showman a little bit that you have your businesses where you can use this time to get all your ideas and and talk to people and get your business work done, man. Unfortunately, I don't get to do that as much as I want to. So like yeah. to hear your perspective and other people's perspective helps me to grow and gives me ideas so I can do a little bit better in the evenings. Yeah, I love it. I love so you it. let me know, right, man, anytime you want to do this. I've been saying this for years. I need to come to Ohio. You're probably not that far from me. We are. Um, we're like between Toledo and Cleveland, like right in the middle. Yeah, you're. Or I thought you were south. You're a little far. No. I lived in Willoughby. I lived in Willoughby, Ohio, yes. on the other side of Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. Um, My best friend in I high played, school lived there for a while. When I played for Lake County. I played yeah. for the Lake County Captains. Yep. Uh, and I lived in northern ohio it was something it was something <laughs> like, they, uh, did they play that song the lake you probably didn't see it they used to have these lake county captain commercials on tv all the time with this really cheesy theme song no, it get, just peppered into my head because it was constantly like on indians games and stuff yeah i uh northern ohio in april is an interesting it's an interesting weather phenomenon to be in yes it was the weirdest place. It's the weirdest place I've ever been. Yeah. Like yeah, I lived probably, I probably lived 
two or three miles from the lake. And oh, God. The stadium was like a mile from the lake. And so you'd wake up in April and there'd be like a foot and a half of snow at your house. And it's like, huh, we're not going to play today. And then you just drive toward the stadium and it would be like no snow. No rain. snow. And it's like, what the what in the world is happening? This yeah. is the weirdest place ever. Yeah. And you'd end up playing that evening. Yeah. I woke up this morning and there was a foot and a half of snow at my house and you ended up playing that evening. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway. Yeah. All right, man. Good to talk to you. You Take too. Care. You have a great day. Yeah, dude. All right. Thanks, Chad. See you.